Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good morning, Arsenal fans. This is our debut 49 Undefeated podcast at Football.London. Uh, I'm Tom Marshall-Bailey, the editor for the, for the site. I've got Charles Watts with me, our Arsenal writer. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, Tom. How are you, mate? Not too bad, thank you. And uh, we've got Andy Ha as well, who is our social media editor. Good big gooner, Andy. Hello. How you doing? Not too bad. And we've got James McNicholas from Gunnerblog on the phone too, who's joined us. Thank you very much for joining us, James. Oh, pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Not a problem. Um, I guess we'll, we'll cut straight to deadline day, given that it is deadline day. Um, we're expecting no activity whatsoever in terms of incomings. But there's, there's obviously been some interesting outgoings in... Obviously, Gedeon Zellalem's low move to VV Venlo has just been confirmed. That's an interesting one. Um, Chirapom going down to Brighton. Just want to give me a few of your thoughts, Charlie, on, on you know what how you see him. I seem quite opposite to be honest. I'll start with Zellalem. I think it's a, a really good move for him. Actually, it's quite. I think a few people probably raise their eyebrows at where he's gone and the sort of level he's gone to. Not not the top tier over in Holland, but. You know, they're top of the table there, they play good football. Um, Andres Jonkers there, obviously, knows from his Arsenal days, so he'll fit in well and, uh, and comfortably there. And it's somewhere where he knows he's going to play. And I think for Zellerdem now, that's what he needs. He needs to go out there and, and play, not sit on the bench, not you know, come on every so often. Hopefully, he's going to play in, in his favoured number eight role, he calls it, sort of slightly adrift, slightly back from the number 10, where others see him playing. So I think it's a really good move for him. I think it'll work out well. I think he's perfectly suited. I mean, I quite, I've been speaking quite a lot with Zellerlev's people during the last month and I think that they were there was lots of talk about him possibly going to Borussia Dortmund and stuff like that but I think they really wanted him to go to Holland they see him fitting in really well with the style of play there um, so I think he's going to benef- benefit him massively I'm not sure on Akpom I, I know I've had conversations with you already about it I think it's a I don't think it's a, the best a move for him I'm not convinced he's going to play I think he's got some real competition there and with Brighton really going for promotion I just think Chris Hewton's going to fall back on experience and I'm not sure he's going to play Appham. I think he'll find himself on the bench, or if he does play, maybe shunt it out wide. And I'd much rather him see it possibly go to a side like Brentford or someone like that, because I just think he really needs to play now. He's at an age and a time in his career where he's got to kick on, and I'm not sure I'm not sure Brighton's one for him. That that feels like a, a natural one to get some debate going, James. So um, if if you could just give us a few of your thoughts on on the Appham move, do you think it's uh, it's one that could be beneficial for him? I mean, obviously, I really hope it is because he's an incredibly talented player. But, you know, I think if you go to a side who are top of the championship, they're obviously doing something right. It's not like they're crying out for new additions necessarily. What you've got in a series of artists is that they play a lot of 4-4-2 at Brighton. So at least there's an opportunity to rotate and play at the front too. But I think that, you know, they've got a side that's working. Glenn Murray's absolutely on fire. I think he's going to struggle for opportunities. Really, you'd be better off going to a side who are lower in the table, who are looking to change it up, who are looking for something different, who need a new impetus. Uh, Brighton, I think, has been brought in 
kind of as a squad player really and I, I slightly worry that you might get something very similar to what happened when he went to Hull where he was involved in the first team but a lot of his appearances were as a substitute or a lot on the wing and I just worry that at, at 21 you know he's approaching that time where if he doesn't start making an impact and scoring competitive goals I mean Akpom I think he's only got about you know five senior goals uh, from about four loan spells which isn't a, a, a great record by any stretch of the imagination I, I do worry for him I suppose the one counterpoint to that is one that comes up time and time again if you look down the road if you look at Spurs and Harry Kane and, and his limited success in his loan spells and then the way that he took off when he made the Spurs first team I think that's obviously the template we're going to have to hope Akpom follows but with so much competition at Arsenal now I think it's going to take something special for him to get into that first team set up and I, I have to agree actually I don't necessarily see that happening at Brighton I hope I'm wrong though I think with, with Akpom as well though you know obviously it, is, it looks like there's a lot of competition and, and there is but you, you can just never know. I mean, he can he can look at Alex Wobi, for example, who kind of came out of the blue really to force his way into that first team picture. So, I think there is a chance. And we saw in the summer with Akpom, you know, when given the opportunity, he will score goals, albeit in friendlies and in pre-season games. But he finished that, he finished the summer as top scorer for us, and and looked like he was ready to really sort of push on and at least get in and around the first team. So I don't think he's that far away. He just needs the right move. And, and like you saying, like I said before, I'm just not convinced this is the right one, but I hope I'm wrong. But we, we wrote, we wrote obviously, our, our, our starting 11s, us three and Kevin Byrne, transfers editor for the site as well. We, we looked at our starting 11s tonight and, and trying to piece together a forward line with the existing options is it, proving so difficult given the kind of you know, embarrassment and riches Wenger's got you know, at his disposal at the moment, Andy, that I guess... He's going to have to really, really prove himself in this loan spot. It feels, it feels like a make or break loan for him. This for me. I think the only thing I'd have to say is, is like you're always worried when these players go out on loan that, especially Akpom, it's, it's, it's like third or fourth loan now. Is that are they ever really going to come back and break into the first team? Um, and same with LLM. Um, I've, I've read people like Rangers fans, and you know, they weren't that impressed with his performances up there I don't know whether it was too physical up there or it was something to do with his attitude but and then you look past you look back at the Arsenal loans that have we've, we've done in the past you know not that many spring to mind have been a success where they've come back and broken into the first team maybe Wilshire um, you know I can't think of too many others others like you know Emmanuel Thomas and the like once they go out on loan to the lower leagues they just tend to drift away from the first team and that's I suppose that's what we're scared about that will happen to Akpom and Zellerlem um, especially with someone with LLM's talent you, you're really hoping that the low move will work out for him but you know I don't know it's, it's tough to see a, a route into the first team for him now There's obviously been a number of these fringe players heading out but there could be some, some first team departures in the form of Carl Jenkinson Matthew Debushi mm. um, as, as things stand it, it still looks like a, a move to Crystal Palace for Jenkinson's on off there's no Real interest in Debussy. I know you were at the press conference last week with Wenger basically putting this pleading, clearing for yeah. someone to come in and sell him, to making sure that everyone knew he's now fully fit and available. Um, yeah, it did make me laugh that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think with Jenkinson, I think it's looking more unlikely as we obviously we, the clock's ticking now. We're not what, 12 hours away, and, um, and nothing's really moved on with the Crystal Palace one. Interesting one about the sort of comfort zone in Arsenal there, where Jenkinson obviously he's not going to play now, but he's happy to. You know, sit back and, uh, and take money, albeit at the club that he loves. And you know, if I if I was not on Arsenal, if I was at Arsenal now, I wouldn't want to be in any rush to leave that place. Um, but it is interesting. I mean, it, should Wenger be forcing him out the door rather than saying, you know, well, 
and we'll, we'll, we'll keep him if he, if he doesn't want to go. Should Wenger be really being forceful now and saying, no, 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 you, we, we, you need to go out here and play some football? So it's an interesting one, but at the moment it doesn't look like he's going anywhere. Well, this is it. I, I mean, against Southampton in the, in the League Cup when he appeared, James, obviously he, he failed to really have much of an impact, albeit in a, in a pretty poor team performance. And, and Gabriel has performed adequately there. Um, do you think Arsenal will be a bit short in that area, though, if, if they were to let both of them go today? Uh, I actually think they would, yeah. I mean, it seems that there's something they were prepared to do. Uh, I mean, as you said, they've invited offers practically for both players, and, and there has been that one from Palace for Jenkinson, although it doesn't look like that's going to happen. I think if we'd let both players go and relied on, on Gabriel, I think we would have fallen short. Not defensively, I think he seems pretty solid out there. You know, he seems to... He plays a bit of fullback in the around. He looks surprisingly comfortable on the defensive side. He's got that pace. He gives you, you know, some aerial ability there too. I think where we miss him is going forward. You know, we, that's where we really miss Hector Bellerin, sorry. And, uh, you know, I think it was in the last time game we played with Alex Iwobi and Gabriel on the right-hand side and it just never quite gelled. I think as soon as you put Bellerin there, we're a completely different proposition. So I think on the attacking front, actually, is where we would have suffered. Um, I think Jenkinson and Debushi both have their problems, you know, neither have been in great form for the past couple of years and lots of injury problems too. But I think that at least with them there, we've got options and people who are the naturals in that position. I think as well as Gabriel Dunn, for me, I still regard him primarily as a centre-half. Obviously, a left-back, Andy, appears to be one of the areas that he's, he's looking to, to strengthen moving forwards into the summer. But do you look at the squad right now? I think it's been really interesting, I said to both of you earlier, that I think there's this kind of almost strange sense of ambivalence amongst the mm. fan base towards a transfer window, which is just, when you consider the day we signed Meza Ozil and there were people queuing outside the Emirates Stadium to get on Sky Sports News, it seems, <laughs> it seems bonkers that this yeah. window, there's just been almost this, almost, I guess, an acceptance of this is our squad, we've got, we've got options, Lucas Perez coming in at weekend, the supporting cast of... You know, Rob Holding's performance at Southampton just got almost overlooked for me. I thought he was absolutely—I don't think he had—you know—had to do too much, but he oh. did. He, you know, it was a perfectly, you know, perfectly good performance. Yeah. Jeff was great. Maitland Niles did brilliantly in the centre as well. And when you consider all these options coming off the bench and really impressing, you kind of think, would Arsenal? You know. You can almost understand Wenger not bringing anyone in. Well, this is it. I think for the first time in years, um, like you say, like as Arsenal fans, we don't really look at the squad and think there's a pressing need to sign in any particular position. We knew that at the beginning of the season as well, actually. We, we thought this is actually Wenger's strongest squad in years. You know, So if he doesn't challenge on several fronts, he's really got no excuses this season. You know, He brought in Xhaka, brought in Perez, um, Mustafi. So, like you say... Look, at this precise moment in time, the only position we could probably strengthen is central midfield because of the injuries and, and so forth. But, you know, going forward, I'm pretty happy with the, the, the options we've got in midfield and especially up front. I think getting Welbeck back is massive. I mean, it just provides us with so much more. I mean, we've really missed Danny Welbeck. I, mean, I look back to England in the Euros in the, in the summer, I think Danny Welbeck getting injured just before that was a massive blow to Roy Hodgson. Yeah. I don't think England would have performed anywhere near as badly without if he was in the side because mm-hmm. he brings so much balance to that especially to England on the left hand side I think to Arsenal as well it just gives us so much and you know, I'm a big big fan of Olivier Giroud I've always defended him I know he has his critics but um, I think he's done fantastically since we signed him but 
the thought of a fit Welbeck up there in a three with Sanchez and Walcott, the sort of movement and the fluency of changing the positions that I just think it's a real exciting prospect that if he can if he can stay fit and, and build up that match fitness because obviously it's very early days at the moment but um, I think it's a very exciting prospect Danny Welbeck being fit I guess it's a question James of how you manage to kind of shoehorn them all into to one attack really isn't it with all these options yeah yeah I mean look there's a lot of talent there I, I would sort of second that point though really I think that Welbeck's return is a huge boost and probably a big part of why the fans are so chilled out you know there's not any great need for reinforcement partly because we've got this player coming back from injury who seems ready to bring so much to the team and when you think about him you think oh well he, he links well with Alexis he links well with Ozil you know he links well with Awobi and the, the common denominator is well back like he's a great team player and he, I think he improves people around him because his movement is so good because he's so selfless with his running I think it's going to take a bit of time for him to get up to speed I, I don't expect him to be involved in the first team you know immediately uh, starting get games week in week out but I think that that front three of Welbeck, Alexis through the middle, but rotating, and then Walker on the right. I mean, any defence would be terrified facing the, the pace and the power and the skill in that front three. And as well as Giroud's done, I think that's what we're involving towards. But what's great is to have the variety and the options we do have. You know, Giroud's been so effective on the bench. You've always got that. And then Perez, who is so unfortunate, to be honest, to not get more game time, because every time he plays, he looks very efficient, very intelligent. Uh, but at the moment, he's just at the back of that queue. But what a luxurious position it is to be in. And it is actually reminiscent of, you know, 10 years ago or more when we had that kind of wealth of attacking talent. So it's, it's good times going forward, definitely. Perez is really interesting, I think. He, he, I think he really makes something happen. Every time he's on the pitch, he's, he's involved. He's, his awareness is fantastic. The, you know, the ball, some of the passes, the ball that he played for, um, it was Welbeck to set up um, Walcott's goal and the part, the long pass actually to Alexis to yeah. set up um, Walcott again yeah. for the for the second or third. He just, he's just such a clever player and he's always making things happen. If he's not scoring, he's setting up goals. And like you say, I agree. It's, it's so unfortunate not to be starting more games. And um, I said it after the weekend on. on Sadly, Jamie Vardy did ask for a massive, massive favour by, by rejecting us in the summer because Lucas Perez looks ten times the player Vardy is, and um, uh, and yeah, I just think it's he's, he's very, very unfortunate not to be involved more because you can guarantee that he's not going to be starting tonight, even even though he played so well at the weekend. Well, well, I've I we all picked Harold Evans as I said, and I I had him down in mine, operating from a slightly wider position. Now, I I would personally like to to rest well back tonight because I think he could be massive against Chelsea in, against he'll play a Wobie though rather than Lucas well it, yeah he probably will I, the reason I, I want to see Welbeck start at Chelsea I, I think you know resting today we've, we've got more than enough to see off the Watford side that, mm-hmm. that are struggling um, I, I, I think Wenger hinted as well that he's probably going to rest Welbeck exactly. he says you know he's only just come back from injury and to play him every three days would be, be a bit a bit risky, but um, I suppose the question is, you know, how do we line up against Chelsea on Saturday? What do we lead with Giroud, or do we go back to that front three which we talked about? I, 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 I was going to say, I, I think a lot of teams have really struggled to kind of pin down Moses and Alonso this season for Chelsea, and then they've almost become too preoccupied with that that they've almost forgotten about Hazard and Pedro, William buzzing around Costa or whoever it is up top. I think Welbeck could be invaluable on, on either of the flanks um, this weekend in that 
he clearly he, at the weekend he's showing that he looks sharp going forwards but equally we know that he's hard working plenty of athleticism I think that's going to be crucial to give our side a, a good balance on Saturday at Chelsea I don't, know, I don't know what everyone else thinks but what 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 are you thinking James I, I'm almost tempted not to just gloss over the Watford game because obviously that is still you know got got to get you know got to get that out of the way before we can turn attention to Chelsea but you would expect a routine win tonight wouldn't you uh, yeah I would I mean I've got a few mates who watch Watford fans and speaking to them the last few weeks I think that I mean obviously we all saw the cup result but they've been in pretty dire form for a while now uh, so it should be a routine win almost you know whatever attacking combination of players we put out tonight looking forward to the Chelsea game I, I, I wouldn't start during that one you know I'm a, a big admirer of what he's done uh, in recent weeks but I think when you've got Theo Walcott back he combines so well with Alexis I think those two in tandem are so effective we saw that in the last half hour against Southampton uh, albeit you know a bit of a stroll of the game but I think so I'd have those two I'd have Alexis through the middle I'd have Walcott wide I'd be sorely tempted by Danny Welbeck, but I, I suspect that Arsene Wenger might still deem it too early for a game of that magnitude. I think Alex Iwobi might get the nod there, but I completely take your point. I think that if you have guys like Welbeck and Walcott wide, and Walcott has been tracking back a lot more this season, we're doing it against Southampton again, made one very vital interception. If you can pin down uh, Alonso and Moses, you know, that's, you're going a long way towards helping yourself. To, to win the battle so it, it's a big conundrum that one I think Welbeck would be brilliant but I think Wenger might still think it's too soon Big worry for me in that game central midfield I mean the, the suspension to Jacker, obviously the um, on any bit away I, I do worry about what he's going to do in central midfield against, against Chelsea I think it's going to be a massive part of the game and um, as in, I thought Ox was fantastic against Southampton. I really, I was so impressed with him. I think everything he did, he did right. And um, it, obviously, there wasn't that much of a challenge. Southampton weren't great, and it's going to be a lot more difficult against um, against Chelsea. But it'll be really interesting to see what he does with the central midfield um, positions tonight. First of all, and then and then uh, at Chelsea, it's like, will he will he again rest at least one of them tonight and give Ox another go in the central midfield, or will he start with Cochrane and Ramsey? I think it's a really big decision for him. Certainly, certainly Saturday, but uh, tonight as well. I'd, I'd personally be tempted to give Ramsey. Th- this is his opportunity to, to for Wenger to say to him, "Look, Ox has you know laid down a marker at, at Southampton. It's a you know a great performance." I, I find it really interesting, Oxley Chamberlain in the middle. I've always been of the impression, perhaps wrongly, given how well he played on Saturday, that his natural kind of game is to get on the ball, drive forward, and run with it, and and beat players. He look, he, you know, he wants to beat the fullback with a piece of skill or a, you know, surge of pace. I feel like that is his natural game, and, and I worry how disciplined you can be with that kind of being so instilled mm. into I, you. I, I think, I think sense. that's it. I think the only thing that's perhaps holding him back is maybe the discipline and the positioning, etc. Because you look at him, he's probably got all the attributes to be a, a great central midfielder. He's, he's athletic. He's got pace. He's got power. He can pass. So you know. I think it's just about learning the position more than anything. Um, well, even Arsene yesterday said that again. He saw him more his future more centrally than out yeah. wide, and you know he said that for years now. I remember you know you go back five years to around that AC Milan game in the Champions League, and it was all all the talk was always going to that's going to be his best position. But we've not seen it for five years. He's always stayed out on the wing until until now, basically. So I don't think he's going to change immediately to be in a, one of our sort of central midfield linchpins. But it's it's a really going to be really interesting. A if he if he stays and signs and gets a new contract and. Will be how his how his future pans out, but I, I was really really impressed at Southampton. He was I thought he was 
fantastic. It's almost presented Ramsey with a bit of a, an unexpected conundrum, hasn't it, James? Yeah, it has done. I mean, I, I was really taken aback, I, I guess like you all were, by you know the range of Oxlade-Chamberlain's passing against Southampton. I mean, some of the balls he was playing, that one with the outside of his foot, yeah. I think for, was it for Perez, was absolutely yeah. outstanding. And, you know, when you look at his Arsenal career, some of his best games have come in the middle of the park. You mentioned the Milan game. There was a game against Palace, I think, where he scored a couple of goals. He, he, he has performed well there, but he hasn't had sustained opportunities. It's been a bit like the Theo Walcott situation where Arsene Wenger for years was like, well, he'll be a striker, he'll be a striker, he'll be a striker, but the chance never really came. And actually, when it did, he ended up going back to the right. I think in the case of Oxlade-Chamberlain, he's that bit younger. I do think he's going through a bit of an evolution. What I would say that he needs to do in the terms of if he's going to be a central midfielder in the longer term is just tighten up the kind of defensive element of his game. I mean, if you think about the last couple of seasons, he's actually been involved in some pretty major defensive areas. Just concession of possession, you know, deep in his own half or failing to track a runner. That's damaging when you're playing on the wing. It's even more damaging when you're playing as kind of a holding midfield player. So he definitely needs to learn that kind of tactical discipline if he's going to play that role in the long term. But I think I think Ramsey will get the nod against Watford because I think Ramsey and Cochrane is a partnership that hasn't had a huge amount of time to bed in hasn't had loads of games together and I think that's what Arsenal's going to go with at Stamford Bridge so I think a chance for them to play together and develop that understanding is, is probably quite a useful thing at this stage I think it's definitely taking the central midfield position because I don't think anyone's nailed down that spot yet at Arsenal you know, I, I, I've been far from convinced about Xhaka I think he's a good player Xhaka and, and everything but I'm, you know, I'm still not convinced he's a £35 million player and that he's done that much yet to suggest he is the answer to playing central midfield long term obviously Cockland's there as well I, you know, I've been really impressed with Arnene since he, since he came in a snip for 5 million but no one's nailed it down yet there's certainly there, there is there, a, a spot there or two spots there for the future going forward if someone really sort of steps up and takes it it feels almost ironic Andy that for years it's been Arsenal need a rock solid centre half yeah. and a you know a, a 20 goal a season striker to cure all their ills now we've and, and a goalkeeper. Now I know Petacek's forms been mixed, but on the whole, that's proven a pretty good signing. They've got Mustafi, whose unbeaten run is just phenomenal and, and continues. And Alexis just yeah. can't stop scoring. But now all of a sudden, midfield just looks like a real yeah. problem area of this feels, team. Yeah, it feels like it's the only sort of missing piece of the jigsaw. If you like, I mean, we, we touched on it earlier, like out of all the positions where we could strengthen if we had to it, it would be central midfield and I think I think Cazorla's injury is, is a massive huge, blow huge. it's a massive blow because I think in, in Wenger's mind I think Cazorla and Cochrane would have been first choice in all the big games this season and there's no one really else in the squad who's got Cazorla's skill set in central midfield you know, no one can really pass the ball, get out of tight situations like he can. Someone, he's in Bournemouth, he's a Bournemouth well, player, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that is another debate. Um, but, you know, he plays well for Cochrane as well. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of trial and error at the moment, central midfield for Arsenal. So we just have to see and hope that Ramsey and Cochrane can develop and form together. James, James, what are your thoughts on Xhaka so far? Stole the words from my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh... Frustration, to be honest, because I think there's a very, very good footballer in there. Um, I agree the price was extremely high. Someone told me the other day that he's the like, third most expensive central midfielder of all time, and I suppose that does put it in a bit of context. Uh, he's not the he's not the finished article, you know. He needs to 
it, it, the mistakes he makes are quite naive. Like he dives in at times when he doesn't have to, and he lets his temper get the better of him. He can be quite careless. You know, sometimes you, you catch him turning away from people on the edge of his own box when he's sort of too one-footed, really, to actually pull that off. I think he needs to simplify his game. I think he needs to grow up a bit. But I think technically he's a very exciting player. He, 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 you know, he's wonderful ability to find the fullbacks from deep. That gives us a great outlook because, to be honest, we haven't really got a goalkeeper who can do that. We haven't got a goalie who's great with his feet. So having a, a guy who's prepared to drop off and play those early passes over range is very useful. I still think if Santi Cazorla was fit, he'd be one of the first names on the team sheet every single week. And I don't think that Shaka alone is a Cazorla replacement. I don't think he's got the complete skill set. So it's about finding a combination that can try and function without Santi. Um, you know, I think if we if we get to the end of the season and we haven't won anything and we're looking back at the reason why, I feel that Cazorla's injury will stand out as the big one, really, because we are a different side with him in, uh, and his partnership with Cox has been so so great that uh, you know we, we haven't quite nailed a replacement for that. Well, you, you touched on it earlier, Andy, about the, the Cazorla Cockland partnership. I mean, that was kind of the the bedrock of the the two 0 win at City a couple of seasons back, and United at home last season. Exactly, yeah. Wenger. Came in for a bit of criticism earlier this season when Xhaka wasn't just like an automatic selection. I mean, I, I think there was an assumption, you know, amongst fans that you've pa- you've paid that much money for a midfielder. If it's felt like a problem position, surely you must get the nod. But now, on reflection, I mean, I mean, I mean, I completely agree with Charlie and James on on Xhaka. I know it's a it's a really interesting debate that because I know plenty of Arsenal fans who who you know, have been impressed with him. I've been slightly underwhelmed myself, but. Um, yeah, it, it feels like Wenger was vindicated. I think. Yeah, I think I think the price tag is a big factor of why you know some fans are perhaps a bit disappointed of his performances, etc. But you know, for me, he's, he's still young. You got you got to remember that, and he's coming from a you know, well, I say a different league. Bundesliga is quite similar to the Premier League, isn't it? But um, you know, I read somewhere the other day that you know when he does tackle, his tackle rate is actually quite high. It's just the, the times when he fouls and he, yeah. he lunges in it, it tends to result on a red card, which is a bit f- infuriating, really. He just has massive lapses of concentration, yeah. I think. It's, like, it's not just the, the red cards. I mean, the red card against Burnley was classic. I mean, it was, that was just sheer frustration for giving the ball away. And he just, you know, just stand up, you don't need to do that. But some of the penalties he's given away this season as well, that the goal, I think it was Gilfie Sigurdsson's goal against Swansea, when yeah. he just gave the ball away. It's just really stupid lapses of concentration, which... Again, you do, I don't want to keep going back to price tag, but for £35 million, pound, whatever it was, you don't expect that. You expect more of a finished article for that. And I think when we signed, I mean, I didn't know too much about him when he signed, you know, but you kind of thought, oh, he's going to be a ball-winning midfielder. And, and he's not quite that. He's more of a passer, isn't he? That's what's really impressed so far with Shaka, is his passing range and, and yeah. his ability to get, get attacked forward and turn the ball over quickly and getting the balls like... Like James said, down to the fullbacks and you know, press with wonderful passes to the outside of his foot and things like that. But he's not certainly not quite the player I envisaged when I, I knew we were signing him. Well, I, I guess that begs a question and takes us on fairly nicely as we approach the end of the podcast. What what do Arsenal need to do in the summer then? What what right now it doesn't feel like there's an obvious position to strengthen, and we know that the January window is not necessarily one that constitutes value for money, but they need to sort out Alexis Nurse that's it because that's, that basically is, holds the key to what we have to do in, in the summer because yep. if Alexis goes then we all know we're going to have to somehow replace him if 
Ozil goal goes, we're going to have to replace. You know, the guy sets up so many goals and is now scoring goals as well. So that that's key. I mean, if those two stay and commit the future, we don't have to do too much again. We're in a very good position. But if we lose those two, then there's a whole lot of work mm. for Arsenal Megan to do. So I mean, that's the key thing is sorting those two out because until they do, we really don't know what we, what we've got to do in this. So that's why it's so vital. Keeper, a left back. I, it might be a little bit controversial, but a, you know, plenty of question check on Monreal's form yeah. this season. Do you think? Yeah, well, the, the keeper in particular. I, I mean, we've got Chesney still out on loan. There's a big question mark of what we're going to do with Chesney. Um, Wilshire too, obviously. In Wilshire. The I feel like Wenger will probably keep check. I know, you know, he's had a bit of an indifferent spell of form this season, but you know, he's, he's still the number one. I don't think Wenger's in doing it there. Left back. Perhaps, you know, Monreal's not really had his best season, um, but he's still got Gibbs, and I'm, I think Wenger still trusts Gibbs, you know, he gives him the captain's armband in cup games, and obviously we signed Bramall, so <laughs> you've got, got an understudy of some sorts there, but I don't know, it's difficult, like, like Charlie says, I, I think Ozil and Sanchez are the priorities this summer, there's no real, like, gaping need for a particular position at the moment. James, your, your thoughts on... on what happens in the in the close season for Arsenal in the transfer market? I think, uh, of course, look, Ozil and Sanchez hold the key to that. I think if they stay, I think that the positions Arsenal will talk about, I think he could be looking at a couple of full-backs. Because if you look at the right-back situation, you've got Bellerin, but then beyond that, Jenkinson and Debussy, even if they stay today, even if they stay in January, surely they're not long for, for the club. Uh, Gabriel, you know, he's an option there, but I don't think it's a long-term solution. Left-back, Kieran Gibbs, there's a lot of talk about him going last summer. I think that will happen again. I think he probably will go this summer. Um, and, you know, last year we were actively looking for left-backs. You know, we, we bid for Jibril Sidibe, who ended up playing right-back at Monaco. There's a lot of talk about Ricardo Rodriguez. Uh, so I think left-back could be, like, the, the big signing, the guy who comes in as a first-team player, because Monreal has faced some criticism this season. I think, more the point, he's not getting any younger and I think that might be the area where we really look to improve. Uh, funnily enough, there's another guy at Monaco, Benjamin Mendy, who joined them from Marseille last summer, who every time I see him looks absolutely awesome. He's a phenomenal athlete, very good going forward. I'm sure he'll have uh, cropped up on Arsenal's radar. So, yeah, I think fullbacks will be the area where we look to improve if Ozil and Alexis stay. Well, very interesting. I know that Arsenal has scouts at PSG Monaco at the weekend, so he certainly could have uh, popped up on. On that one, the left, the left back is a, is a really important thing going forward. Isn't it? I agree completely, Monreal. I think Monreal's been a fantastic signing. I think the last two seasons he's been arguably our most consistent mm. player, really impressive. But he, he has dropped a little bit this season. There, there are a few mistakes coming in, and I think maybe someone with a bit more pace that's sort of trying to recreate what Bellerin brings to the right hand side to that left side it will be important. But um, but yeah, I do think that getting Sanchez and Ozil nailed down is is just it's it's just going to be such a massive cloud hanging over Arsenal as the season continues to progress and going into the summer and it's just, it's just going to be it's, it's got they've got to get it sorted really do just on the subject of left backs very briefly you watch Cohen Brummel quite closely mm-hmm. in, his, in his debut for the under 23s at Southampton just just elaborate on how you thought he got on obviously he's not going to be a, a first team contender anytime soon but I thought he did alright. Yeah, yeah, he did alright. I thought, you know, like you said, it was he'd only been at the club a couple of days, really. So it was a it was a sort of tough one for him. But he, he did well, and he's he's an athlete. He was, that was clear to see. He got forward as much as he could. Um, he, he was a little nervy, certainly. And he kept giving a he gave the ball away a few times, and I think that got to him a little bit. But he settled down, and um, and you know, it's it's tough to judge him after one 
sort of 80 minute performance when he's only been in the club a, a couple of couple of days but I do know that they rate him highly I mean they must have done to, to sign him up so quickly and to get that done they, they Arsenal obviously sees that there's a player there and he didn't throw him straight into the 23s either when he brought him in on trial he was in with the first team he was training every single day with the first team um, and so you know he clearly impressed and made, made a Made a mark on that, so yeah, maybe we will be the maybe we will be the future. And uh, next uh, Ashley Cole, yes, maybe next Ashley <laughs> Cole. Hopefully, stays a little bit longer than Ashley Cole did. Um, quickly, before I know you're just about to wrap this up, I just wanted to ask James' opinion on this. Theo Walcott's on 99 goals at the moment after his hat trick. He could well get the big hundred today, join an elite list. Where do you sort of rate Theo Walcott, James? Where where do you sort of hold him when he when he gets to this big barrier that he's about to break? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you know, you look at the players we've had who haven't scored 100 goals. Who I'd say probably more widely loved than Theo. Uh, it's uh, it's almost reminiscent of you know Wayne Rooney broke the record at Manchester United, and you know it's funny because suddenly everyone's celebrating him, but actually he's not that popular necessarily among the United fans. Um, Walcott, I think. <laughs> look, it's funny you're talking about Cohen Bramall. He's more an, um, you know a terrific athlete. We don't know that much about how much a good footballer he is yet, and I think Walcott's career started in a similar way but when you look at the contribution he's making this season it's fantastic I mean I think any, I think we're all entitled to feel a bit frustrated with what he produced last year because frankly he was poor for long spells he struggled in an unfamiliar position his defensive contribution was almost nil uh, but this year he's really turned it around and knuckled down and maybe it does take players longer you know, to, to kind of find their feet. So that could be a variety of reasons. Often injury plays a big part in that. Um, I really hope he can sustain this form because he's been fantastic this year. And, you know, he's, he's been with the club through a difficult period. He arrived, you know, 2006 when the, he just, he arrived just for the Highbury, but he, he only started games at the Emirates Stadium. That was a lean time for the club. And he's one of the few players who kind of escaped that and wasn't tarred necessarily by that era. And he stayed with the club into an era where we, we're more prosperous and we've won a couple of things. So I hope that, uh, you know, the time this will sort of redeem him because I think it's 100 goals. It's a hell of an achievement by the way you slice it. Yeah, especially he's not been playing up front. I think with Theo, you know, he frustrates when you see him waking up because he is more of an athlete than a footballer. You know, you see him fall over the ball. You see him just, you know, just can't fail. Even against Southampton, I didn't think he played very well at Southampton, even though he's got a hat-trick. He could have had a couple more goals if he actually had a first touch because um, a couple of Chamberlain passes were fantastic that he didn't, he didn't take advantage of because of his poor, poor first touch. But you can rely on him to score in big games. He's always, over the years, out of all of our players, he pops up in the big games and scores important goals. He's done it in cup finals. He's done it in you know, Chelsea, you know, Champions League in that quarterfinal against Villarreal. I remember he scored the first goal um, back in whatever that was, 2008 or whatever. And, semi, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, and not the semi, the quarters before we lost to United in the semi. Of course, yeah. it was, um, yeah. He scored the first goal in that game to get us up and running. He's he always scored in big games, and I've always thought that about him. I don't know if it's his mentality or whatever, but you can always rely on him. He'd um, he'd be in my eleven for for Chelsea at the weekend. Oh, he's he's got a good record against Chelsea as well. I'd exactly. start him. His, all, his all record, his record against big teams is uh, is, is massive, and he he'd definitely be in there. But I will turn attentions back to Watford to wrap to wrap things up. Uh, you're not. Going to forgive me for asking this, but neck on the line time, lads. What's your prediction, Charlie, for tonight? Um, uh, win. Uh, well, we, we've just got to win. <laughs> you know, got to win. Obviously, we can't. It's not. You can't just expect it. Look what happened to Liverpool against Swansea last week. But um, but yeah, I mean they've got to win. There's no no other result, and I fancy them sort of three 0 three one. Andy. Yeah, I haven't felt this confident 
about home game in quite a while. It's a really weird feeling. I think I think it's all these attacking options that we've got back. Um, so I'm going to go for three 0 I think I think with the confidence we're playing with at the moment, I think we get, we'll have too much for Watford. James. Yeah, so I'd say 3-0 as well, so uh, that's probably going to be a hell of a jinx now, but <laughs> I think it's it should be straightforward. I mean, Watford are playing terribly, we should be full of confidence after what happened in the cup, so yeah, let's do with 3-0. Clean sweep, because I think 3-0 too. Um, I think that just about concludes our, our opening 49 Undefeated podcast, um, the Arsenal podcast for London. Uh, we'll be back at some point next week with our second edition of that. Um, but for now, uh, we'll say goodbye from Charlie, our Arsenal writer, uh, Andy, goodbye, and James. Thank you for joining us today from Gunner Blog. Cheers, thanks for having me on. Thank you, James. Not a problem. Um, and for all the latest transfer deadline day activity, head to www.football.london. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Facebook at those addresses as well. Fantastic. Thank you very much, and goodbye.